The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to this special edition of The Views Room, the podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists talk about the big stories of the moment. I'm Peter Tharlarsson, Global Editor of Breaking Views, and I'm here to introduce our predictions for 2023. Every year, we ask our columnists to gaze into their crystal balls and express a view about what will happen to economies, financial markets, and companies in the coming 12 months. Our intention is not to hit the bullseye of forecasting accuracy, but rather to give people an insightful and hopefully thought-provoking way to think about some of the decisions they may face in the year ahead. We've gathered these columns in an ebook, Scanning the Horizon, which is available to download now. I recently connected with my colleagues Robin Mack and Jonathan Guilford to discuss the challenges of making predictions, to highlight some of the big forces they expect to influence events, and to pick out some of the notable views from the book. Robin Mack and Jonathan Guilford, welcome back to the Views Room. Hey, Peter, good to be here. Hi, Peter. So I'd like to start just by talking about the process of making predictions. We've been doing this every year for a while, and it's safe to say it's only getting harder. The sheer range of things that could happen in 2023 is staggering. Um, so Robin, as the editor of this year's predictions book, how did you approach the challenge of trying to come up with something to say about the coming year? So Peter, I guess I guess it'll help if I just start off with just sort of the spirit of the Breaking Views predictions. Um, I mean, in the past, it's always been a fairly straightforward year and exercise where we're forced to think about, you know, what some of the big trends the year ahead or what we think will happen in the coming year. But, you know, in hindsight, those were just much simpler times because, like you said, it's just getting harder and harder. We've had the pandemic. Uh, we're in the middle of a war in Europe. Interest rates are going yeah. up, inflation. And I think this year we really just tried to uh, stand back a bit and take a different approach and think about, okay, what what are the different scenarios that will happen instead of just trying to address what do you think will happen in the following year? And I think that's been a really interesting exercise for me, at least, just thinking about the really big trends that we've seen this year and what those scenarios will shape up sort of the, the different possibilities uh, in the coming year. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, so, so you know, we had the pandemic in 2020, which uh, we did not, full disclosure, we did not predict. Um, uh, and then in 2022, we had, we had Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which also we did not predict. So um, a lot of other people didn't predict it either, but it is, it does sort of go to show how, how, how the sort of range of things that might happen um, has become much broader um, and how those things can, these events can then completely upend uh, uh, all kinds of, you know, to have, have all kinds of consequences in terms of in terms of economics, in terms of finance, in terms of companies, and so forth. Uh, Jonathan, you're uh, you're you're relatively new to this whole game. Uh, how did you find the experience of trying to make predictions in this world? Well, like you say, it's uh, obviously in a certain sense you're always backward looking, right? Uh, we only have the world as we have it today that we can spin forward from. So, um, kind of as Robin was suggesting, there gaming out various scenarios from here was really the way forward. Um, in terms of, you know, like you say, unfortunately did not manage to predict COVID-19. Uh, I think we all need to hold ourselves accountable for that. But 
that aside, I mean, there's going to be something in, in 2023 that none of us see coming. It's, I think, accepting some of that uncertainty and thinking more about, okay, where are the weak points in markets? Where are the um, kind of pressure points in international relations that will be stressed if that unexpected thing comes down the pipe? And I think that's really kind of the, the useful way of looking of, at some of this. I guess the Russian invasion of Ukraine it's it's upended geopolitics. It's upended, you know, countries' defense spending. It's upended supply chains, energy markets, food, etc. I guess, and it's, I guess that is one of the big themes. Uh, those tensions are probably one of the big themes facing we're facing in the coming year. Robin, how did that sort of how how do we see that playing out? Do you think? Well, I think it's in some ways that it's accelerated some of a, a lot of the trends that you just referred to. So for example, the East-West dynamic, you know, here in Asia, the intensifying rivalry between US and China, for example, that has had, you know, enormous knock-on effects um, in the entire region um, and beyond um, in semiconductors and supply chains. Um, so not just on American companies in China. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, energy as well. Um, so that's definitely accelerated, um, you know, some of the earlier trends we've seen before the war, um, such as the transition to renewables, and also just the dynamic between, you know, the East and the West um, beyond uh, China and the US. Um, so we've seen Europe and the green energy transition, you know, and, and sort of a lot of the supply chain for green energy, for example, that's really altered uh, and upended a lot of the dynamics between Europe and Asia. Yeah, and that leads you to some interesting conclusions. I think we have a piece in the book which which, said, which predicts that Bowling Green, Kentucky is going to be an important city of the future because that's one of the places where some of these jobs that are being brought back from, from Asia, whether it's for, for uh, renewable energy or whether it's for electric vehicles, uh, that might be a place where, where some of these jobs go. Jonathan, you, you mentioned rising interest rates, obviously one of the big themes of 2022. How should we think about what the consequences of that will be in the coming year? I mean, I think we've seen some of it already, right? The tech sector, um, especially in the US, uh, has just been absolutely devastated by um, rising interest rates. So you look at a lot of these kind of really uh, wing and a prayer kind of IPOs that, that went out in the in the bull market post-pandemic, uh, and you see a lot of that kind of collapsing back. Um, a lot of ability to, I guess, cheaply value future costs and overvalue future benefits, um, that's kind of collapsed back in, and everybody has to take a bit more of a measured stance. And that, of course, feeds through to a bunch of markets where that was the case, right? Um, in private markets more broadly, uh, you have assets being held by managers who are not, you know, marking to market the value of their assets in in the ways that you see kind of traditional um, public markets uh, keeping a kind of running scorecard. So you're going to see some of the assumptions there change and, you know, rising questions about are people hanging on to outdated assumptions and therefore outdated valuations, or are people actually beginning to adjust to uh, how the world has changed um, now that the central banks are tightening. So I think that kind of, it implies that there's almost like this, this kind of big wedge of changes that is is uh, looking to to kind of break through uh, the door of, of private markets and of, of kind of these overvalued markets. And just we're kind of still waiting for that really to, to make itself fully felt. Yeah, I think that's right. It seems like there's still quite a long way to go there. Um, I think we actually 
I think real estate is one of the ones that, that I'm particularly um, curious about to see what happens. I think we I think we make a point in the book that the one bright spot in the global real estate market at the moment is Singapore, <laughs> because people are moving there from Hong Kong and from China. And so, so that's the one place where you might expect real estate prices to keep rising, but everywhere else it looks like the, uh, the gravity from higher interest rates is, uh, is bringing things back to earth. Um, so one thing that we do um, uh, with these predictions every year is we, we sort of, we, we, we let our sort of fantasy corporate financiers um, uh, out, of the, uh, out of their cages and, and come up with some sort of, um, some kind of potentially wild and wacky sort of corporate transactions that we think might happen. Um, I mean, obviously, it's been not a great year for deal making in 2022, and the expectation is that it's not going to get that much better in 2023. But, but are there any sort of bright spots, Robin, that you can see where things might start happening? Yeah, I mean, I get it's so easy to just focus on the doom and gloom. Um, so for me, the really enjoyable part is looking at sort of the blue sky scenarios that we have. Um, a couple of, of the really interesting ones that I found. Um, so we have one in the book about sort of the rise of female fans and how it will uh, power Formula One uh, motorsports series next year. Um, another one that is also quite um, interesting is the the weed trend in Asia, um, because Thailand has just uh, legalized uh, the use of medical marijuana and a couple other countries uh, out here have also uh, legalized it in some form or other. So that's also a big bright spot. Um, we've got a couple of, um, you know, climate ones, um, including uh, how banks and financial groups, they will start treating water issues a lot more seriously next year, as there will be a big UN meeting on water um, in 2023. Um, so we do have a couple of, of bright spots uh, to watch out for in, uh, in the year ahead. Yes, and obviously, uh, I think the one thing we can definitely with con predict with a certain amount of confidence is that the planet will continue to get warmer and with some 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 knock-on consequences, such as what we saw in uh, the devastation we saw in Pakistan um, this year. Uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, any other sort of um, uh, interesting or amusing uh, things that jumped out at you? Yeah, definitely. I mean... Um thinking about a deal slowdown in 2022 and, and what the kind of hidden deals could be that, that finally jumped to the fore in 2023. I think some of these stress points we were talking about, right, they will affect some of these larger companies that had been winners uh, in the run-up in the bull market and now suddenly find themselves a little at sea. So you look at, you know, what Mark Zuckerberg is doing over at Meta. Um, we have a piece in the book kind of making the argument uh, for him to really split off uh, that costly metaverse piece and let the the cash flow from the core Facebook and Instagram products really shine there. I mean, I think people are obviously reaching the end of their rope a little bit on on kind of where the metaverse spend has gone. And even Facebook itself has started pulling back on that a little. But I think there's, you know, a smart argument to be made that a lot of these tech companies do have these like real monster cash flow machines hidden within them. Uh, and just unlocking that, which I think some of the private equity guys like Tom Bravo, et cetera, are trying to do with with their recent acquisitions. It's really like, you know, where are the opportunities to to let that cash flow free? Um, and I think you could see some really interesting deal making um, sprout up around some of those. Yeah, I think the other the other pocket that we um, identified for us potentially for some deal making is is in pharmaceuticals, right? It seems like the big pharma companies 
have amassed quite a lot of cash, don't have a huge amount of debt, and and some of the sort of biotech companies that they might historically have been interested in have actually been been somewhat victims of this sell-off that you mentioned, Jonathan. So there's potentially some uh, some M&A activity happening there. The other one that, that I'd, uh, I'd like to highlight um, uh, just as a sort of uh, amusing thing is um, is just in corporate jargon. So, um, you know, you may remember that uh, for a couple of years we had companies talking about things like a total addressable market for their products. This was sort of blue sky thinking for these startups as they were going public on super high valuations. Um, they also used to talk at great length uh, about something called the flywheel effect, which nobody could really ever agree on what it was, but it was very important for all these startups to mention it. Well, those things have gone out the window, um, but our prediction is that the big new buzzword for, for 2023 is going to be lifetime value. That apparently is the, is the, is the, 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 the term that, that venture capitalists and tech entrepreneurs are using more and more, which is sort of makes sense because they're having to conserve cash and they're having to justify the spending. Um, and they're thinking more about how much it costs them to acquire a customer and what they can then get out of that customer in the future. So um, unfortunately, however, uh, uh, none of these companies seem to actually agree on what lifetime value actually means or on how to define it. But um, you can expect to see this a lot more cropping up a lot more in, in, in earnings announcements and on, on uh, corporate calls with their investors. So, Jonathan Robin, thank you very much for, for all your efforts on the book and also for, uh, for coming on and talking about it. Um, I'd like to say that maybe we'll, uh, we'll get you back in a year's time and we can um, review our performance and see how we did. Um, but, uh, but maybe we'll be moving on to the next one by then. But in the meantime, thank you both very much for joining me. Thank you. Thank Peter. you, Peter. That's all for this special edition of The Views Room. I'd like to give a big shout to my colleagues, Katrina Hamlin and Pranav Kiran for producing this podcast and remind you to subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Acast, Megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. You can read all of our predictions for 2023 at breakingviews.com and at reuters.com forward slash breakingviews, where you can also download the free ebook, Scanning the Horizon. And our columnists will be following these stories and many others that we did not see coming in the year ahead.